Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, a show about all things content by Kentico, .NET, and Azure for people who want to learn more about headless technology. And now, here's your host, Brian McKeever. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining today's episode on Content Rocks. I'm very excited because today's episode is all about custom elements. And custom elements in content.ai are a great way to customize your implementation, maybe do an integration and do other unique things that you might want to do in your project with content.ai. And today I'm actually joined by a close colleague of mine who's actually on the BizStream team. And I'm very happy about that because I don't usually get a chance to interview our own team members. But uh, Mike Webb, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Mike, uh, um, as we talk about a problem with custom elements and how you got around it, that's kind of one of our goals for today's show is we're going to talk about kind of the, the one challenge you may have as a developer and, and how to maybe something that you're going to publish soon can, can kind of fix that. Uh, that that's, that'll be the meat of the episode. But, one, but I wanted to maybe give the audience a little bit more about you, Mike, in, in terms of, you know, have you used content.ai for a while? Uh, have you done other development styles and, and tools and technologies in, in your background? And maybe you could speak to, to that a little bit and, and we'll get started from there. Sure. Well, I'm a, um, you could say a seasoned developer, at least uh, for a long time. I started with .NET and C Sharp when it was uh, still .NET 2.0. Uh, so I've come a long way with that. Uh, and then once I started at BizStream about four years ago, started uh, uh, Experience and Akintico, which is now Experience. And right when we started using content, which was which was uh, Kentico Cloud, I believe, when it first started. Uh, we were using it, and I was diving in. So, and I've loved it ever since. Fantastic, and I believe you've also passed the developer cert course and done some of the e-learning and done some of the, the content modeling exercises with us. So, my whole goal in that that question, right. Mike, was just to make sure everyone knows: Hey, you've actually been using this for a while, and you you kind of mm -hmm. know what the day-to-day -day challenges are about uh, implementing customizations in the system. I have, and I do. Yep. Okay. And as we kind of dive into it, I'm, I'm, you know, you'll read the documentation. In fact, let me throw the documentation up on the screen a second. In case you're watching, I'm just viewing the intro to like what a custom element is or how do you create a custom element to extend your editing features inside of the CMS. And the documentation kind of goes into like the beginning points of the, the idea here is you're going to host a set of JavaScript and HTML somewhere on a server, and then you're going to kind of use some fancy techniques to iframe it into the CMS that is content. So that way it gives you complete freedom and flexibility and customization space inside the editor. And you can work with the APIs to basically manipulate things in that element. And that's the basic model that the, the walkthrough goes through. But what it doesn't quite tell you is what if you have to make a bunch of changes quickly and what if there's some other challenges around working with it locally? So mm -hmm. Mike, can you introduce the tool that you're about to publish that maybe can solve some of these challenges or maybe even talk about the challenges first and then talk how the tool is going to solve it? Sure. So the challenge uh, that I ran into was that I was uh, for a client that has multiple custom elements. I was having to uh, come to the, the custom element and continue to develop it day after day. So uh, it wasn't completed in a day. I had to come in and do multiple changes, uh, multiple computer shutdowns or sleeps. Uh, and I usually shut everything down. But when editing a custom element, because it has to be hosted and hosted in a public place that content can see it and iframe it in, whenever I started back up my computer and started developing, I had to create, uh, if I'm doing something locally, I either, or I can either do it locally or on a server. 
but therein lies the problem. If I'm doing it on server, I have to have a build cycle to push and deploy to the server every change I make. But if I do it locally, I have to uh, do something like have a tunnel with Ingrok. Well, I don't have a paid Ingrok account um, and don't necessarily need one, but Ingrok creates a new URL every time you restart the service. And so I was having to go into content, edit the custom element, and update the URL every single time I started working on it. And that was a major pain point for me. Yep. yep. And really, it's all about kind of making that developer experience of working locally faster and easier. Right. So you can see your changes appear just almost as like a hot live reload type of feature right. and functionality. Because locally, we already have hot, hot reloading. Right. So can we get that in content? So how then did you accomplish that, sir? Well, I started looking at Ingrok because I thought, well, there should be a way to do this. And sure enough, Ingrok actually has an API on its back end that you can hook into and pull the current, kind of the current status. You can pull stats, you can pull the current URL that it's working on. Uh, and so I looked into that. Well, and it turns out someone has already wrote uh, a NuGet package or a .NET, uh, sorry, NPM package for that called Ingrok. So I investigated that, pulled that down and used the Kentico management API because with the Kentico management API that I've been recently working on with a, a client, we found out that you can update uh, any and all elements for your content models. Well, that includes the URL for a custom element. So I thought, well, hey, if I can grab the, if I can grab the URL from Ingrok and just on demand update that in content, well, I, I could get spun up really quickly. Yep. Yep. So, so what this tool does is that whenever I run this tool, I can pass in a set of uh, parameters in a config configuration file to either specify that hey, I have a running server and here's the port and here's a, you know it's HTTP or HTTPS, or I can just give it a port number and uh, a static file location and have Express automatically spin that up for me with this tool. Um, either way, the other one could be uh, maybe I'm running, maybe I'm running a React server locally. Uh, I would pass in a, a specific URL that I want Indigrok to serve to. Otherwise, I can just pass it a port in these configuration settings, and this will use Express to spin it up for me. Uh, so then it spins up Indigrok, it gets the address that it's running on, that the it's tunneled through, and it updates a custom element with a code name that I've specified with that address on demand. That's awesome. So it just basically makes a startup server and service for you and you don't have to think about it, right? You can pretty much just run the command and you have a local test harness. Correct, yep. So I'll just, I'll demo that really quick. I, just to run through this uh, readme, I'll give you just kind of a preview of this. Uh, we have a bunch of configuration options that you can enter and you could have uh, you could run an express server or not run an express server and the code right now is in a kind of an alpha state we're doing some updates on it and the repo is currently private but we should be opening it up to, to the public soon sure. um, so let me move to my solution in visual studio code here i've just created a static html file i'm pulling in the source for the custom element api from kentico and from content ai and I am, uh, all I'm doing is showing uh, a paragraph tag, custom element. And I just want this uh, because it's hosted in the HTML. 
whatever's hosted in my HTML should show up in the custom element within content. Uh, here I have my initialization call from contents AI's custom element API, and uh, it should log to the console that it's initialized and uh, show this in content. Nice. So this is basically as simple as you can get from a starting point of making a custom element. We're basically running a script that has a really simple DOM element, and it should basically now appear whenever you need it to. Correct. So when we start that up, I'm going to run node on my main script. So you can see it opened, uh, opening, uh, serving on port 3000. And I can now navigate to this. Now I already have it open, but I put this here so I can click it just in case I want to just open it up and go to it. So now after a refresh, if, if I don't have a model already created, it will create a model for me. And right now it has a standard name, but we can throw that also into the uh, config later. So here it is. Here's a custom element tester. And I have right here, here's the address that it's running on. So now if I go to the assets, I'm going to create a new model of that type. And there it is. This is a custom nice. element. Nice. So it's really cool because you said, and I want to make sure I get this right. If, if you didn't have the type previously in the project, it's like the first time you're actually like running it. It actually is going to inject the type in there for you. Correct. And then add the element to that type as mm -hmm. just make it dead simple for someone to get started. Correct. That's very cool. And then you have an item of that type that then shows the actual value just to make sure. And if I'm sure if we looked in the, the console, you'd see the console.log message, right? Yep. Okay. And so if we didn't have this, mm -hmm. like you were saying at the beginning, what we would have had to done is basically commit that file into source control, hopefully have a CI/CD process that would then publish that file to a dev server, a test server, and then you might have to go into content.ai in the back end, manipulate the type, change the URL, and that, mm -hmm. that can get kind of old after doing that a couple times, right? Yep. Yeah. It can get very old. Or if you're using ingrok to have to restart the service every time. Yep, and, and then possibly getting a different way. URL and have to copy and paste something else. That's really cool, and then now, we can talk about, so you, you're, it's the next day or whatever, you want to make some changes, right? Yep. So I'm not running right now. And if I go in here and I refresh this content element that I'm working on, we should see that it's not connected. So in Grok, couldn't find the previous address. So now all I need to do is start my server again. I already had this created, so it should update the element the element URL. So here it, it says it's listening. So now if I refresh this, this point, it should have updated my element and be looking at my new tunnel. And there it is. Nice. So all That's I had to do cool. is start the service and now I can start working. That is very cool. All right, so future plans for this, Mike. You know, this is like you said, it's alpha. You think there's a lot of work left before we can finish it and publish it? Do you think it's a little bit of work? I'm just kind of curious from my own perspective. I don't think so. I think we have to dig into a little bit into the NGROC API from NPM. Uh, maybe get some some more error testing in there. 
I know we need to test it on some local machines where people that don't may, may not have Ingrock installed. I actually ran into a, I was testing with someone today who didn't have Ingrock installed. And something that actually works locally for me did not work locally for them. So we have to add a config for adding their um, their API key, their Ingrock. When you sign in, you can, you can start a tunnel on an HTTPS. You can't if you're not logged in. So for some reason that works for me, but not for them. So we've got to add a config there. So okay. uh, a lot of testing, I think that has to be done on multiple machines, but I don't think that would take very long. Right, right. Awesome. And then, I mean, just from a, the actual custom element code itself, that can be as simple or as complex as you want, right? This is pretty much the test Correct. harness to just get it into place. Correct, yep. Very cool, very cool. Awesome. Well, when we have it ready and it's kind of, you know, of a finished state, we'll update the readme and we'll get it published to a public GitHub. That uh, is a link that I will put probably in the show notes at the bottom of this page when we list the podcast episode on McBeeb.com. Um, but really, I mean, I think that's a fantastic job. We can keep it kind of short today. I don't think there's any reason to keep it longer because that was the demo, right? Yep, that was um, the demo. So um, I would say uh, if you're in the community and you're watching, you know, and you have other, and you give this a shot, let us know. Uh, let us know on Twitter at BizStream or, um, uh, you know, my my Twitter handle at McBeeve, whatever. Um, or, I mean, Mike, do you have a, a Twitter handle? I'm drawing a blank on that one or not. But I don't have a Twitter handle. Okay. All right. Well, then you can work through me and I'll make sure Mike gets that feedback. Uh, I can walk over and actually tell him too, because he's that <laughs> close. So, um, but with that, I think we can call it an episode. Uh, definitely. Uh, interested to see how this shapes up and you'll be using it in projects that I work on as well too. So thank you very much for creating this. And um, that's been the content racks podcast. So thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. See you, Brian.